Colossians chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 24 through 29 of Colossians chapter 1. Invite you to read along with us in your Bibles. So now, Lord, I pray that you would draw all of our attention to your word your word to us this morning. Pray that we would be completely open to what you have to say to each one of us, that we would apply what we learn. Make us better witnesses. Lord, give us your priorities. Remind us of our responsibilities, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the New Testament clearly teaches that all born-again Christians are in the ministry. If you are a born-again Christian here this morning, if you call yourself a Christian then you are a minister according to the New Testament. Now, that might sound strange to some of you because most people think of ministry as a full-time vocational career. You know, you've got lawyers and businessmen and businesswomen and contractors and dentists and nurse, and then you have ministers, the clergy, the pastor. Well, it is true that some Christians are called to be in full-time vocational ministry, but it's also true that every Christian is in the ministry. God has saved us all, right? God has blessed all of us as Christians, and that blessing needs to be shared to every single person on the planet. So that requires all Christians. We all have a place in ministry. We all have a task to complete in ministry. And we need to be serious about that. And we should seek to be fruitful in that. So I want you to notice what Paul the Apostle tells us about ministry in our text here this morning. Look at verse 24. Paul writing to the church at Colossae, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I think that all of us would agree this morning that Paul the Apostle was a pretty good minister. In fact, I would say he's one of the greatest Christian ministers who's ever lived. So we're learning from the best example. And what does Paul tell us about ministry? What's essential for all of us in the ministry? Well, I want you to notice first that ministry requires, requires a willingness to serve. Ministry requires a willingness to serve. Paul says in verse 25, of which I became a minister. Paul says, I'm a minister. Now, it's important to understand exactly what that word means because, again, we hear that word minister and we think of full-time minister. Or maybe we think of the minister of defense or the minister of commerce, some of those impressive positions. Minister is the Greek word diakalos, and we get the English word deacon. And you know what it means in its bare essence? Servant. Slave. A minister is a servant. Ministry is service. All of us, from the top down in the church, every Christian is to be a servant. And that means humbly serving Jesus Christ and humbly serving other people in acts of hospitality, in acts of compassion, in acts of mercy. In fact, the first seven deacons in the church, they were established in Acts chapter 6, and you remember what their job was? To serve widows at the distribution tables. The deacons of the church went to the distribution tables and made sure that the widows got all of their basic needs. Gang, as Christians, no matter what God has called us to do, we must maintain that humble servanthood. We are never, ever to become big shot people. People that run around life thinking that everyone should serve us, wanting to be the center of attention, acting as if the whole world revolves around you. Maybe you're out there intimidating people, throwing your weight around. Look how big I am. No, a Christian is to be humble, servant. Gang, that does come from the top down. Remember what Jesus, our Lord, told us. In Mark chapter 10, he said to his disciples, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That's how the world does it. Jesus said, Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. 
And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It's been said that you are never more like Jesus Christ than when you are serving. That is to be our humble attitude as we serve the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter what career. That humble servanthood. Okay, I want you to also notice that ministry requires a willingness to suffer. Ministry requires sacrificial suffering. Paul says in verse 24, I now rejoice in my what? My sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Paul was willing to suffer and boy did he suffer. Perhaps no one has suffered more in history than Paul the Apostle. The sacrifices that he made. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul mentions many of the things that he suffered in the ministry. He says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. In hunger and thirst in fastings, in cold, in nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul was suffering when he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae. Remember, he wrote this letter as a prisoner for his faith in a Roman dungeon. The life of ministry was not a life of glitz, luxury, celebrity for Paul the Apostle. It was one of intense suffering, and he rejoiced in it. You know, it's interesting in verse 24, he says, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. That's been a controversial statement debated a lot over many, many years. What is Paul saying? Well, Paul is not speaking about the suffering, atoning work of Jesus at the cross. Jesus suffered alone on the cross. Paul is not saying, well, what Jesus did at the cross was lacking, and I've had to come in and fill that up. Absolutely not. No one suffered like Jesus. 
Jesus alone suffered for our sins, and it's complete, and it's done, and it's completely sufficient. Most scholars believe that this is a reference to the afflictions of Jesus Christ in ministry. You know, he suffered a lot in public ministry before he got to the cross. And he turned around and he told his disciples, you're going to suffer in ministry. And they did. Paul the apostle was told, you're going to suffer in ministry. And he did. And for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been suffering in ministry. And to this day, Jesus Christ, in his identification with his suffering people in ministry, suffers. That's what it's saying. Ministry happens. The world is reached through suffering. Paul said, I can rejoice in all of this suffering because though he suffered a lot, look at all the churches he planted. Look at all the people that he led to Christ. Look at the ways that God used Paul. And so you must be willing to suffer. As a Christian, in ministry, serving the Lord. And there is no shortcut. No Christian gets a free pass. Now, praise be to God, extreme Christian persecution has not yet come to our country. Nobody's getting martyred. Nobody's getting put in prison or being beaten for their faith. Thank the Lord for that. But you know, a lot of Christians around the world are. And there may come a time where that could happen here in America. But even still, as a Christian in America, you should suffer for Jesus Christ. Because there are ways. You can lose opportunities. You can lose friends. The cancel culture is alive and well, my friend. And it will take down people who speak the truth. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to sacrifice time, energy, money, resources in ministry? Jesus said that we will be rewarded. In Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted all the prophets who were before you. Amy Carmichael. Oh, what a woman of God. She, from Ireland, I believe, but she spent 55 years in India where she put an orphanage together and she had all 
kinds of issues and trials and sufferings that she went through. You should read her story, but she did write a poem, famous poem. It's called, Hast Thou No Scar? Let me just read it. She says, Hast Thou No Scar? No hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung is mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned me against a tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound? No scar? Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole? Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? I'll ask you a question. Have you ever suffered anything for Jesus? Any loss ever for Jesus Christ? Has the way you've been, you know, behave out there in the world, has it cost you a thing? No wound, no scar? If it hasn't cost you anything, I respectfully need to say you're wimping out. You are wimping out as a Christian. You are not salty enough. You are not a light. You are hiding that light under a bushel. Get out there and make a difference. Christ will be with you. And you know what? There's this an amazing thing about when you actually suffer persecution for Jesus Christ. Paul talks about rejoicing in the fellowship of his sufferings. It's like this understanding of Christ and this presence of Jesus with you. Because you know he identifies. He's there. He's with us in our sufferings. So, ministry requires a willingness for that in your life. Okay, I want you to also notice that God gave Paul a particular focus in ministry. Look at verse 25. He says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. So God gave Paul a stewardship. That's how he thinks of his ministry. Now, a stewardship is an administration. It's something that you manage. It's a management thing. A steward is one who cares for the interests or property of another. And so it's like when somebody gives you a house or a business or an investment, something that you're supposed to be a steward of, that's stewardship. God gives his people stewardships. Focuses. Now, what did God give Paul? Well, look down at verse 27. 
To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So that's a long passage there, but Paul is basically talking about his calling, his particular emphasis in ministry was bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles, to bring the mystery of the church and salvation to the Gentiles. Now, Paul was involved in all kinds of ministry, ministry in general. But his focus was the Gentiles. It's sort of like in college, you know, you can have a major, right? But you can also have minors. Paul had all the minors in ministry. He did everything required in ministry. But there was also a major, a focus for him. And I do believe that the same thing is true for all of us as Christians. All of us are called to be in the ministry in general. We all have the minors. But I also believe that God will give to you a major. Something you were built for. Something that lights your fire. Something that you're gifted for. Something that you're going to be focused on and you're going to go for it. And it can be anything. It can be children's ministry, marriage ministry, street preaching, soup kitchen, halfway house, working with people who are recovering addicts. Oh, just think of all the needs out there. Hundreds of them. God gives his people focus. We just heard from Lenny. Lenny's an elder at the church. Heavily involved in ministry. All the different ministries that happen here at church. All the minors. He helps out. But what's his major? God has called him into the prison. What's your major? Did you even know there would be such a thing in your life as a Christian? There is. God has called all of us to be a part of his work. Have you discovered it? Well, if you have discovered it, pour yourself into it. Invest. Go for it. Whatever it might be. I am reminded often of that beautiful, beautiful parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25. You remember the parable of the talents? A servant goes away, or excuse me, a master goes away, and he leaves servants behind to take care of property or whatnot. And to one servant, he gives five talents. To another servant, he gives two talents. And to a third servant, he gives one talent. And they're supposed to take those talents and invest. And remember, he comes back later, and the guy who was given five doubled the money, made it ten. The guy who was given two doubled the money, made it four. And the Lord says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Both the one who was given five and the one who was given two, both doubled their money, both got the same reward. It's not a question of portion. It's a question of proportion. We are not all given the same amount to invest, but we are all given an amount, and we're to double it. What happened to the guy who was given one talent? You remember? I buried it. I don't got no. You know what the master said to him? Pretty intense. He said, "You're a wicked, lazy servant." Could you have at least put it in the bank and let it draw some interest? You know, I really believe that that particular parable is a big-time rebuke against the Christian who says, I don't have anything to give. I have just maybe a little bit. Well, take that little bit and invest Use it. Go for it. Find your spot. Again, I'll ask you another question this morning. When you come to church, what type of mentality do you come with? Do you come with the consumer mentality? How is this church going to bless me and my family? Because in America, that's the mentality that a lot of people bring to church. Do you realize that? Or would you come with a contributor mentality? What will I give? How will I be a part of God's work here? How will I get involved in the plan of God for El Paso, Texas? How am I going to be a part of God's work in expanding the kingdom of God right here? I really believe that ministry requires that focus. And God's going to show you. God will show you. Have you ever prayed about it? It's not like God's up in heaven thinking, I wonder how I can hide what I've called them to do from them. (laughs) He will absolutely make it plain. He will connect all the dots in your life. Just takes a, a little bit of faith. Stepping out, trying things. And I'll tell you what, you find your place and you will find joy. You will find mission. You will find a sense of accomplishment. Okay, read on a couple more verses. Paul says in verse 28, Him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, he says, I also labor, striving according to his working with works in me mightily. A few more essentials of ministry there. Listen, ministry requires The verbal communication of truth requires verbal communication. 
words spoken out loud coming out of your mouth. Verbal communication. Paul says, him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man. That's all verbal communication. To preach is a special word in the New Testament in Greek, which means to publicly announce, to publish abroad, to boldly proclaim and declare Christ and the gospel message, how to be saved through faith in Christ Jesus, what Jesus did at the cross. That is the most important message that can be communicated, the gospel. Why? Because that's how people get saved. That's how people get changed. Then he says, we also warn all men. Now, that's an interesting word in the Greek. It's literally a word that means to put truth in the minds of others. And a lot of times in the scripture, it's used of pretty tough love, like it is here, warn. It can even mean rebuke, correct. But it's also a word that can mean to encourage. I think an English word that best captures the essence of this Greek word is counseling. Be able to counsel all men, giving truth to all men. And then it says teaching. Teaching, we all know what that is, the giving of instruction. Ministry involves that verbal communication of the gospel, of the word of God, of instruction. Now, certainly a pastor, someone who's called to be a pastor or a communicator in in the body of Christ should be doing that. But I want to challenge all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us need to know how to speak truth. Whatever ministry you're a part of, maybe you serve at the soup kitchen. Don't you ever want to share the gospel with those people in line? And I would encourage you, do you know how to share the gospel? Do you know how to lead someone to Jesus Christ? You, personally. Counseling, giving good counsel. Well, the best counsel comes from the Bible. So if it comes from the Bible, then we need to be students of the Bible. Amen? We need to know the Word of God. I encourage you. You know, at the beginning of this year, we did a series called Get Growing. And and I gave an entire session to the way of how to share your faith, being a witness. It's session five. You can find it online at our website. Top spiritual health, spiritual growth, session five. We talk very practically about how to share your faith. And I would invite you all to do that. But it's very important. That's necessary. You know, we're to live godly lives in front of people. And I've heard that statement before. 
your life may be the only Bible anybody ever reads. Have you heard that? Fully agree. But you also need to learn how to speak and share why your life is different. And I'll tell you what, it's going to take a lot of courage. There's a lot of fear out there today over what you might say. And I believe that it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. But we need to say the truth. Amen. Okay, there's another essential in verse 29. This is pretty easy to figure out. To the end I also labor, striving according to his work. Ministry requires hard work. Requires labor. That's a word in in the Greek that means something that tires you out. Something that makes you weary. Straining, Paul says, agonizomai. We get agony from there. Ministry requires blood, sweat, and tears. It requires hard work. When you find, or again, in all of ministry in general, we need to be a part of it and work hard. And then when you also find your major, man, you got to work hard. Go for it. Martin Luther worked so hard that many days, according to his biographers, he fell into bed at night. D.L. Moody's bedtime prayer on one occasion was this. Lord, I'm tired. Amen. John Wesley rode 60 to 70 miles on horseback many days of his life and preached an average of three sermons a day, whether he was riding or not. Paul the Apostle worked hard. Nobody worked harder in ministry than Paul. And by the way, Paul was in fact bivocational. When Paul went from city to city to city, there were a few times where churches would support him. Most of the times he set up his tent-making business, Worked the tent, sold the tents, planted the churches, did the missionary work on his off hours. Hard worker. Paul says, I work, I labor according to his working, which works in me mightily. Now, never forget this. This is so beautiful as you work hard for the Lord, you will become conscious of the power of the Holy Spirit who works in you. Paul worked hard, but he, it, the Holy Spirit was the wind at his sails. The Holy Spirit gives you energy, gives you wisdom. There have been times where we've had weeks here where it's, it's almost like we put maybe two or three months into one week. There have been times where things have become almost completely unmanageable from a human standpoint. But I will tell you, God, the Holy Spirit, has always 
given us the energy to get through. And we may collapse on our beds at night. But I'll tell you what, collapsing on your bed after hard work for the Lord, mm, sweet sleep, sweet sleep. Great way to spend your life. And then, what was his aim in the ministry? Verse 28, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That was the goal of ministry. Paul said, I want to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Perfect meaning complete, mature. You know, it's been said that ministry, and I love this, ministry is summed up this way. We are called to save and raise. Meaning, we live to lead other people to Christ and then raise them up. Disciple them, train them, make them complete. That's what Paul dedicated his whole life. For, for Paul, ministry was about people, watching people change, getting people to Jesus and staying with them so they can become complete. And I would say to you, that should be the aim of all ministry here at this church, in your ministry. The emphasis should always be on people. Sharing the faith with people. Ministering to people, blessing people so that they might come to Christ and then staying with them to maturity. So essentials of ministry, willingness to serve, willingness to suffer, a willingness to work hard in the power of the Holy Spirit. A willingness to communicate truth verbally. A willingness to do whatever you can to find out that major. And never forgetting it's about the people. Father, I pray that you would bless this portion of your word. in the hearts of your people right now. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, perhaps you never really thought of being in the ministry as a Christian. Maybe that's a brand new concept. Well, it's true. There's a place for you. And I would invite you to seek the Lord on that. Pray about that. Give back. You've been blessed. Spread the blessing. Be a part of the mission. In fact, Lord, I want to pray right now for anyone here who knows you, who's not certain entirely 
of where they fit, I pray that you would begin to work in their lives in an amazing way to show them. And I pray that you would give them courage and faith to step out. Then, Father, I want to pray for those who have been serving you hard for a long time. Keep them energized by your spirit. Keep them striving. Keep them laboring. According to your work, your power. Lord, bless, bless the witness of your people. Every one of us, Lord. Multiply. And then with heads bowed and eyes closed, we talked about the most important message of the church, the most important thing that can be preached, and that is Christ Jesus and salvation through him. That is our only hope. Christ died for the sins of the world and rose again that third day. And it is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that your sins can be washed away. If you're here this morning and you've yet to respond to that, I invite you to do that right now by inviting Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Asking him to be your Lord. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And I would invite you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to respond to what you have done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Wash away all my sins. Make me yours. Give me a brand new start. Make me your child. Save my life and then use me to bless others. In Jesus' name, amen.